Good morning. My name is Ray, and I'm going to be reading Luke 22, 3 through 6, and 47 through 53. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and offered and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he so he consented and sought an opportunity to betray to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear, But Jesus said, uh, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and the elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you so much for the life of your son, God, that you would take these, these life events that Jesus went through and put them in scripture so that we can learn from them uh, today. Father God, be with uh, Jonas as, he, uh, as he, he preaches this morning and brings us uh, a message. God, speak through him, and uh, we just thank you for everything you've given and blessed us with. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ray. You know Ray's coming in hot when the first words are like, then Satan entered into him. <laughs> We're coming in hot this morning. Hey, I do want to point out, uh, meant to do this a couple weeks ago. Actually, we had it planned. And uh, Ray is uh, the study coordinator for our uh, Seed to Oaks neighborhood assessment that we're doing. Uh, we told you about that a few weeks ago. And Ray was actually going to come up here and uh, introduce himself. And then he was on dad duty. So dad duty to the best dressed kid yes. I've ever seen. So... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so that's Ray. Uh, they, uh, they've been attending for probably about a year now, actually joined back last uh, spring. Uh, we, because of a lot of stuff that happened, we, I think we just announced it back in January, so that's on me, my bad. Uh, but man, just super encouraged by how they're getting involved. Darian teaches in our kids' ministry, and so uh, just excited about what they bring to our church family. But with that said, we are going to uh, jump in, all right, Luke 22. Where we're going to be at? I'll actually, I'll dance around—not literally this morning, but uh, I'll kind of jump around in the Gospels this morning. So all that will be on the screen. But we're going to be kind of tethered to what Ray just read in Luke 22, and we are starting a new series uh, called "Surrounding the Cross." And, and the point is that uh, over the next few weeks, uh, leading up to Easter, and I think even a week or two after Easter. We are just going to look at some of the events, circumstances, individuals that, that literally surround the cross, like the, uh, the arrest, betrayal, arrest, crucifixion, and, and ultimately the resurrection of Jesus. We're going to look at some of the, uh, the events leading up to that. And, and more specifically, we're kind of going to do sort of a quasi-character study of some of these individuals, right? And as, 
Uh, as you heard from Ray right out of the gate, uh, we are starting with Judas. All right, starting with Judas. So um, before we jump into that, though, I, I do want to lay a little bit of groundwork that I think is important for this morning, really important for the weeks to come. Uh, and that is when we talk about the betrayal, the arrest, the crucifixion of Jesus, uh, and, and that series of events that lead up to that. What's going on there is there's uh, a series of events happening at, on like two different planes, like two different levels, okay? Um, and, and in case I just lost you, let me try and explain that a little bit. You've got uh, the, the, the physical, tangible things. So this is uh, men like Judas, like the, the religious leaders, the political leaders, uh, they're making real decisions uh, that have real consequences that lead to the betrayal, the arrest, the crucifixion of Jesus. Right? And then at the same time, though, all this is unfolding as, as God's intended plan of redemption for his people. Right? So it's, uh, and here's why I think that's important. Because, uh, one, it allows us to not diminish or look over the evil, the wickedness, the sin that's at play here, whether it's in Judas, the chief priest, uh, Pilate, we'll talk about him at, at some point. Like We can acknowledge their decisions uh, and, and their sin for, for what it is. It's evil and it's wicked. Right? And yet, at the same time, we can still have full confidence in the, the good and sovereign plans and purposes of God. Right? That for... Uh, even though it looks like God has lost all control, right? That his son is being murdered and crucified. It looks like God has lost all control, but, but actually this is part of his plan of redemption, right? And so that should give us confidence, right? That, that, and even when it looks like evil is winning or uh, wickedness is winning, that ultimately God's plans and purposes will prevail. And, and by the way, that's confidence you need not just for like a sermon series, but that's just what you need for life, right? To know that no matter what it looks like is going on, whether it's in your life, in the community, in the world, like to know that, that even when it looks like things are falling apart, it looks like, you know, the things are uh, uh, coming unhinged, that the God of the Bible is still in control. So with that said, who was Judas? That's kind of where we're going to start uh, and, and a lot of us know this is going to be familiar, but, but I hope to kind of pull out some things from the life of Judas for us this morning, all right? Who was Judas? The, the first thing, according to uh, verse 3 in our text this morning, we know that Judas was one of the 12. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. And fun fact, uh, you may know this, you may not, there were actually two disciples named Judas, right? One of them, understandably, later apparently decided he would rather be called Thaddeus, right? I wonder, like, how many times he had to explain himself, like, hey, I'm one of Jesus' disciples and Judas. Not that one, right? right? We, we understand why maybe he went by Thaddeus later in life. But uh, anyways, back to the Judas at hand, right? Judas Iscariot. Uh, he was one of the 12 disciples, which means that for much of Jesus' three years of ministry, Judas lived with Jesus, traveled with Jesus, walked with Jesus, ate with Jesus. He would have heard countless hours of Jesus' teaching and preaching. He would have almost certainly have witnessed uh, a multitude of miracles, 
healings, signs, wonders. And yet, in verse 3, we read that when Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. Despite Judas's familiarity with Jesus, despite his proximity to Jesus, there was a moment where Satan entered into Judas, and then he, he bit hook, line, and sinker. That's what we know about Judas. But let me give you a little backstory. Again, you may know, you may not know. Um, and this is not in the Gospel of Luke. This is actually in the Gospel of John. I won't, uh, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want to. It's in John chapter 12. Let me give you the Cliff Notes version of this, this event that happened that, that John records. Uh, this is in the, the days leading up to Jesus' betrayal. Right, there's a scene where Jesus and his disciples are in the home of Mary and Martha. Uh, and they're gathered there, and, and Mary brings out this flask, alabaster flask of ointment. Very expensive. And she breaks it, and when she breaks it, she uh, anoints Jesus' feet wipes his feet with her hair. It's this like, beautiful, powerful moment for everybody there, except Judas. Right, here's what it says in John 12, verse 4. It says, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, spoiler alert, John, thank you, said, verse 5, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? So Judas is there in the house, and this flask is broken. Jesus is anointed, and and Judas' first thought is, hey, why why do we do this? I mean, we could have taken that, worth a lot of money, sold it, given that money to the poor. Now, at that level, it seems like, well, that seems like a reasonable decision. It's a noble thing for for Judas to think of, right? But then verse 6, he said this. Not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And so what you got happening here is that even though Judas was one of the twelve, apparently he had a, a history, uh, a track record of theft, greed, dishonesty. So given that context, like it's no surprise that when the opportunity presents itself for Judas to uh, basically gain off of betraying Jesus, that he, right, that he jumps at the opportunity. Because right? Judas's, Judas's posture, from what we understand, is what's in it for me? Right? What's in it for me? And so when he learns that the chief priests and the scribes are looking for a way to uh, basically lay hands on Jesus, here's an opportunity for him to make gain on that. And so it says that, that he goes, right back to the, the text in Luke, it says that he goes and he confers with them. Right? He went to them. He sought them out. He initiated this conversation. Right? And it was... What I want you to see is that this was far more than just a single moment of sin and temptation. This is, uh, man, this is premeditated. This is something that's been brewing in Judas's heart for 
as far as we know, at least some portion of the last three years of his life. Right? This, this moment of, of weakness is more than just a moment of weakness. It's a trajectory. It's a path that Judas has been on. Right? It, it, it's long disobedience in the same direction. Judas's life was marked by self-interest, self-indulgence, what's in it for me. Right? And, and this posture is almost always at the heart of our sin and rebellion. Right? You and I, everyone in this room, we are constantly tempted to take this approach. What's in it for me? Right? What's most comfortable for me? Right? What brings me the most satisfaction? What, what makes, uh, what's most convenient for me? Right? A, apart from, from the work of the Spirit, like, that's the natural drift and bent of our hearts, is, is what's in it for me. And in fact, that's, like, this is nothing new. This goes all the way back to Genesis 3. If you're familiar with that uh, account where the serpent comes and he tempts Eve, uh, to entices her with the fruit. Uh, yes, Satan tempts her, but, but ultimately Eve submits to her own sinful, uh, selfish desires. It says that she, she looks and she sees that the tree was good for fruit. It was a delight to her eyes. And by eating of the fruit, she could become wise. She could become like God, is what Satan tempts her with. So that's what she does. She takes and she eats. And that's how temptation works. The enemy prompts us with, with that which is uh, the areas where we are most vulnerable. We are most prone to seek our own self-interest or self-indulgences. Right, seek our own satisfaction. Like That's how temptation works. James, the half-brother of Jesus, would say, in his letter, that, that each one of us are uh, lured and enticed, we're tempted when we're lured and enticed by our own desires. Right? Judas's desire was to, to fill his pockets. What's in it for me? How can I benefit off of this? That was, that was Judas's temptation. And, and again, it wasn't just a single moment. It was a trajectory, a path, a course of his life. But here's like, what I want us to see is, is I'm willing to give Judas the benefit of the doubt and say that, that I don't think the first time he reached into that money bag and stole some coins for himself, I mean, this is conjecture, I admit that, but I don't think the first time that he stole something that he was like, you know what, I better be careful or one day I might betray Jesus. But here we are, three years later. And Judas has just betrayed Jesus because he's given his life over to greed, to dishonesty, to what's in it for me. What's happened is he's become desensitized to his own sin. He's become desensitized to his own temptation. Like it's, to him, it's not even a big deal at this point, which is why he gives over the Son of God who he's walked with, ministered with, received instruction and teaching from, witnessed miracles performed by, gives him over for the equivalent of a few hundred dollars. 
Because that's what, like, like that sounds absurd to us. And yet that's exactly what sin does. Right? Sin makes us do just absurd things. Right? Things that, that we never dreamed we would do. Things that like, like when we step back and actually look at it, we're like, what in the world was I thinking? Right? Things we didn't know we were capable of doing. That's what, what sin does when we give ourselves over to it. We become desensitized to the significance and the reality of what sin is. Right? We, we call it things like struggles, mistakes, bad habits, rather than what it actually is, rebellion against a holy God. And, and if we, we give ourselves over to that long enough, what happens is eventually the, the things that tempt us and, and the sin that we continuously indulge in, like it, after a while it just doesn't become, a, it's not a big deal anymore, right? That's what happened to Judas. It's not a big deal anymore. And, and as your pastor, I just want to tell you, if, if that's where you find yourself, that you can just indulge in sin, with, with no fear of consequences, with no conviction, with no, like that should, that should terrify you. It should terrify you. But the, to knowingly give yourself over to temptation without any sort of conviction, any fear of consequence, right, to, to sin and rebel against the God of the universe and shrug it off like it's no big deal, like that's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be because according to Romans 1, like that's a place of God's wrath. We, we think of God's wrath, we oftentimes think of like intense anger and, and right, we, we think of like this act of justice. And there is that. One day that's what eternity will be for those that have not trusted in Jesus. It will be a place of God's wrath, his punishment forever in a literal place called hell. But, but here right now, again, according to what Paul writes in Romans 1, God's wrath looks a lot like God just saying, like, fine. That's what you want. Go for it. So to be in a place where, where you sin against the God of the universe and feel nothing inside about it should terrify you. should terrify you just because it feels right. I just, want to, again, I just want to love you enough to tell you that there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. And that's not my words, that's Proverbs 14. Right? Temptation gives way to sin, sin gives way to death. And, and that's a danger for all of us in this room. Because all of us, from your pastor down to kids in the, in the kids' ministry, we all have our own sort of uh, sinful compulsions and desires that, and if we do not put them to death, then they will cripple us at best or destroy us at worst. To quote uh, theologian John Owen, uh, he lived back a long time ago, I like to read about dead guys and quote dead guys. Uh, he said this, 
you best be killing your sin or your sin will be killing you. Or to, to phrase it in a way that I've heard it um, put by uh, someone close to me. You're playing with fire, and if you play with it long enough, you'll burn the house down. So, that was heavy, wasn't it? So on one hand, you got Judas giving himself over to temptation and sin. Okay? But on the other hand, Judas's problem was actually a lot deeper than him giving himself over to temptation. Right? And, and to, to that point, these are, this is from John's Gospel, John chapter 6, verse 64. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. He's in the context, he's speaking to his disciples. And he says, but there are some of you who do not believe. Then John gives a little aside. He says, for Jesus knew from the beginning those who, uh, those who, I'll get it out in a minute. From the beginning, Jesus knew who those were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. In other words, Judas never really believed. He never really believed. It wasn't that he believed and he somehow lost his way. According to Jesus, from the beginning, Jesus knew those who did not believe in him. Judas, who lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, ministered with Jesus. I keep saying this over and over again because I want you to hear like the absurdity of it, who saw countless miracles, who heard hours and hours and hours of teaching, never actually believed. Like, that should shock us that you could be in that close of proximity to the Savior of the world for that long and just miss it. And just miss it. Now again, there's, there's things going on here. Right? We've got God's plan of redemption. We've got the physical, tangible decisions of men. So we've got both of these things at play. But, right, but like Judas is still accountable for his lack of faith, his lack of belief. He was with Jesus, and yet he never believed Jesus. Right? And here's where I think that intersects with us. If it was possible for Jesus, or Judas to be that close to Jesus and never actually believe, how much easier is it for us 2,000 years later on the other side of the world to sort of be around the things of Jesus but never actually believe in Jesus? Like That should shock us. And we kind of took that and, and transposed it into sort of our modern-day contemporary context. Here's what you could say. It's possible to, uh, to be around the church. It's possible to be familiar with the church and never actually be a part of the church. It's possible to know all the right answers, right? be able to sort of talk the talk and the Christianese and the, all the lingo and jargon, right? But, but never have actually experienced any sort of spiritual transformation. It's possible. It's possible to know, uh, sort of in theory, about who Jesus is, to know and be able to recount and even recite what Jesus did, but, but not actually 
know him or relate to him as Savior. Or to, uh, to use Jesus' words to the church in Sardis, Revelation 3. It's possible to have the reputation of being alive, but actually be dead. And, and the thing that haunts me as a pastor, as your pastor, is the thought that, that someone here might sit here week after week after week after week, expecting one day to step into eternity and hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, only to step into eternity and hear Jesus say, I never knew you. Depart from me. To me, that's the most haunting words in all of the Bible. That we could live, context, that's Matthew 7, and these people come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, do we not do all these many mighty works in your name? Do we not do all this stuff? And, and Jesus says to them, I never knew you. It's terrifying. And I think that's why one of Paul's final warnings to the church in Corinth, I told you I was jumping all around scripture today. One of the last things that Paul warns the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13 is he says this, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves or do you not realize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Right? Paul's warning to them was, hey, examine yourself. Don't just assume it, but test yourself. Make sure like, you actually believe the things that you're claiming to believe. So back to Judas's life. If, if his Life is an example of anything. It's an example that you can be around the things of God. You can be around the people of God and not actually be a child of God. Right? You, you can, here's well, I'll say it. Familiarity with Jesus is not the same as faith in Jesus. Familiarity with Jesus is not the same as faith in Jesus. So, back to Jews. Here's how the story ends, right? I'll give you the, the Cliff Notes version again. Uh, Judas reaches a point, you can read this in, in Matthew, I think it's 27. Judas gets to the point where he, he realizes the significance of his decision and what it means. And so it says that he, he returns to the chief priest that he originally conferred with to betray Jesus. He goes back to them, right? And, and he, he wants to take it all back and but at that point, it's too late. What's done has been done. And Judas takes his, his 30 pieces of silver and he throws it into the temple and he runs out and he takes his own life. And that's how Judas' story ends. But the good news for, for you this morning, the good news for me this morning is that we live on the other side of the cross. And so what was too late for Judas is not too late for you. It's not too late for me. So earlier, Ray read the account of Jesus' betrayal in, in the garden. And uh, one of the things that, that I find interesting is that 
Um, after Judas walks up and he betrays Jesus with a kiss, you get the disciples, they sort of like, hey, do you want us to, do you want us to lay hands? Do you want us to do something about this? Right? We'll, we'll throw down, Jesus, if you want us to throw down. In fact, Peter does. Peter pulls out a sword and just cuts a dude's ear off. Right? Peter's like, Peter's a crazy man. Right? You, don't, you, don't, you don't fight crazy. We'll talk about Peter in a few weeks. But anyways, they, they, they say, do you, want us to, do you want us to do something about this? And, and what does Jesus do? He de-escalates the situation. Right? He, he stops it. And even though he has some choice words for those who, who came and, and arrested him in, in the quiet of the night, Jesus willingly moves towards the cross. Willingly moves towards the cross. Why? So that Judas' story doesn't have to be your story. Judas' life was ruined by temptation and sin. And Jesus willingly went to the cross to give you and to pay the penalty for your sin, to pay the debt of your sin, to give you the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to resist your sin and put it to death. Judas' story doesn't have to be your story. So just a point of application, where do you need to do that today? Maybe there's temptation that needs to be revealed. Now, I've prayed this week that the Holy Spirit would just reveal that to you. Right? Where might you need to confess and repent of your sin? Maybe you've got a long track record in, in this place, whether it's anger or bitterness or lust or greed. I mean, we, right? All over the map it could be. But where do you need to confess and repent? And I would say not only confess to the Lord, but also confess to somebody else that they can help you. Right? Drag that into the light. Invite other brothers and sisters to help you fight your sin and put it to death. Judas's story doesn't have to be your story. And then Judas's story ultimately ended in death. Right? Judas took his own life. But Jesus willingly went to the cross to conquer death. So that through faith, through trust in him, his life, death, resurrection, that you and I can have the hope and the promise of eternal life. Judas' story doesn't have to be your story. So I just ask you this morning, have you trusted in Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus. And I don't mean, are you familiar with Jesus? I don't mean, do you know the facts of Jesus' life? I don't mean, uh, I'm not asking you if you think you've trusted in Jesus because you were baptized at the age of four, or at least that's what your parents have told you, even though you have no recollection of it. I'm asking, like, have you trusted in Jesus? As you're have you placed your faith in Jesus as the only sufficient payment for your sin? Because again, it's possible to be around the things of Jesus. It's possible, possible to be familiar with Jesus and never have actually placed your faith in him.
So I don't know how this lands on you this morning. I don't know what the Spirit might be sort of revealing in your own heart, your mind, or sort of prodding and prompting you. But, but here's what I would ask, is that you would just respond to whatever that is this morning. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning and uh, grateful for your word, uh, grateful for even the hard words. It's oftentimes hard words that soften our hearts. And so, Father, I pray that you would soften hearts this morning. If there's uh, sin, temptation that needs to be confessed, that needs to be put to death, that needs to be drug out into the light so that uh, we might do war against it. I pray that you would reveal that. Would give these men and women courage to do business with their sin this morning. And then Father, if there's someone here that, that maybe has never trusted in you, maybe they're here and they, and they just know they've never trusted in you, I pray that you would, you would prompt them to turn to you, to repent of their sin and turn to you in faith. Or even if, even if they've sat in this room for, for weeks or months or years, I know how the enemy works, that he would, he would uh, bring a, a sense of hesitancy, like what will people think of me? What will people say about me? I just pray that you would remove that right now, that... There's one here that has questions about what it means to put their faith and trust in you for real. Lord, I pray that you would prompt them to respond in obedience. So I pray that you would lead us this morning, guide us to respond as you would. We pray that your, your spirit would, uh, would do the work that only, only he can. Change, transform our hearts. We pray and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.